What up, what up, what up? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, want to thank you for joining us for another edition of your new favorite podcast, one of the best podcasts out, the Charles Coleman Podcast. I am your host, Charles Coleman, and I am pleased to welcome you to another edition of the show. Got a lot to talk about today, but before we get into it, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button at the the bottom of the screen. And whether you're listening to us on Apple, on Spotify, on YouTube, whatever it is, on Tidal, Make sure you have registered and subscribed because this is where you want to be. We are outside. We in outer space. We in hyperspace. Come get with us at the Charles Coleman Podcast, your new home for black brilliance. So for all of you who follow the show, for those of you who are new, I have a beautiful, wonderful dream team of contributors. And I'm super excited about who I have on the show today. It's one of my favorite contributors, one of my favorite dream team members to have on the couch with me. She is the professional winner at 593 Washington Avenue. She is the boss lady. Y'all know her. Y'all love her. Gloria Sherubin is in the building on the hey, couch. Hey, what's up? What's going on? Hey, 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 hey. Um, so good to have you, as usual, um, on the set. Thank you. On Thank the couch, you. all of that. I have a funny story for you. Okay. Uh, so you know we had the whole homecoming thing. Right. Like our, our conversation on homecoming. You was on the couch. We talked about it. So this is a true story. I got a call today. On the way in, mm-hmm. from a friend of mine who said, "There's so many things wrong with the story I'm about to tell you, but it's, <laughs> but it's a true story." Okay. From a friend who was like, "Yo, my husband saw that I had posted your homecoming video. He went through my phone as I was going to sleep. Yes, yes, that that one right there. That one you right there. Yeah, that one right there. She was, I was like, dead. he went through my phone." while I was asleep last night and saw some things. And she was like, yeah, and now I can't come to homecoming. I was I'm like- Screaming. Yo, sis, like, <laughs> what was in the phone? Right. What? That's the real question. Yeah, right. Like, cause What did he find? There was bad details. And I was like, I, I feel like the part that you should have maybe <laughs> talked about was what he actually found. Right. But I just say that to say that, like, People outside watching our videos. Listen, people outside making plans making to relive plans. this college experience. And it has a real effect. Like, went through the phone. Delete. That's Sis, what she said. She said, delete. <laughs> you, you mad on cold with that delete. Mad on cold. Delete. Code. That's what she said. She said, what she said specifically was, he went through my phone and I fell asleep before I could delete what I needed to delete. Ah. I was like, what was so bad? You got to cancel a whole trip. Nah, I can't go no more. All them mm. hugs. All, all them hugs. hugs got interpreted. So, so, so has anybody like, have you experienced yet? I'm just curious, the like idea of like people now coming up to you about knowing, because they know now, like they know you're a contributor on the podcast. Do they come and, yo, so. Matt Folks is like, yo, you need to bring me on a couch. I got some things to say. <laughs> I'm like, pull up, kid. <laughs> pull up with no I'm, address. No address. No ad- pull up. See, that's the thing. Now you understand. Nah, but that's why I went and I did the little post. Like, let me get some feedback because I want to get people engaged. I think yeah, it's a yeah, good yeah. thing. They like it. So that's a, that's a good sign. You know what I mean? They feel like the conversations are meaningful. No, and that's good. And we want that. So if you're in the comments and you're watching us, feel free. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Like, yeah, we're that's a real thing. That's a real thing. I'm totally with it. But the thing is, what you're going to find is, and this is funny, because now you're understanding it more like in this space, people will watch you and they think they can do what you do. Because you make it look easy. Like if we're on the couch, we just people think like, oh, yeah, I can get on there and say something. And you kind of got to tell them like, 
oh, well, you know, um, it's not what you think it is. Right. I think people really have a, but it's a testament to what you and the other contributors do because when they come up to you and they, they want to get where you at, it's because they think that you can do what they can do what you do. Right. And you kind of got to like be like. Mm. But I also think, you know, people really want to have real conversations. Too, that too. You oh, know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a really important part of it. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad that this is a space for it. That's where people right. come. That's, that was the whole idea and why what we do is so important. So let's get into what we do. Let's get into our shortcuts. These are our news and views and opinions. Our conversations about stories that you may not necessarily hear a lot but things that are that are on the mind that we want to talk about. So this is something I really want to talk to you about. Um, I saw a celeb. I'm not going to name the celeb because I don't. I'm not airing her out, but mm-hmm. it's just she's not the focus of the story. Right. I saw a celeb who is recent, who's recently split with her hubby of like 15 years or something like that. Right. And. You know, I don't really follow her. I actually don't follow her on Instagram or any of the socials. But a lot of the blog sites have been... When it, when she announced that they were getting divorced, it was a big deal. And then she's been doing all these, like, self-love affirmation posts throughout the court. And I just feel like it's too much. Like, it's too much. Like, why do we, why do we have to do that? Like, I, I just... And, and, and I'm going to be honest, I feel like it's mostly women who do this. Don't drag it. I'm not dragging it, Why though. you always got to come after us? I'm not coming after all y'all Jeez. all the time. I'll be trying to come here without my gloves, and I'll be like, I got to keep them is? in my bag. Is that what it is? Because you always coming for us. It's not that. It's that. Think about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be real here, right? Think about the psych. We watch women go through all 12 stages of grief throughout <laughs> their breakups. It goes through the... It goes through the, you know, the anonymous pray for me. I'm going through it. There's that one, right? Then it's these men ain't shit. Da, 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 da. Then it's the mad subs. The mad subs, right? You got to go through a phase of subs. Then she's getting her groove back. She outside. She's in the gym every day. She's showing those pictures. You're so vested. It, 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 well, it just pops up. You're like, Jesus Christ, will you find another man already? Like, I'm dead. What? what? I just feel like it's so, too much. You know, is it cathartic? Because men, we do one thing. We do be like, reintroducing the sub and meeting the others outside again. City <laughs> boys. <laughs> That's all we do. That's no, it. I don't agree. I think that there are some men that are, are still... Emo? Very emo. Really? Tyrese. Very emo. Yeah, he is one example. What? Came up. He, Bro. I'll give you that one. Because he can't... Mad timelined everything. In my head, I was like, please don't say Tyrese. Please don't say Tyrese, <laughs> but you got him. You got him. So, yeah. But no, I think that... I think that... Um, I think it has a lot to do with the way we're socialized. And I think that people go to social media as a way to kind of like just kind of dump all their feelings. Mm. You know what I mean? And some people find it therapeutic. Personally, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that <laughs> the, the whole social community is not really vested in you. They're not there for and you. And I don't think that it ultimately is beneficial, at least not for me. Okay. But, you know, other people think otherwise. You know, they go to social media for everything, for every emotional jolt throughout their day or whatever they're dealing with. In terms of the relationship timeline, you know, maybe they're subconsciously putting themselves back out there by kind of telling their story too. So, and you know, the other thing is too, I think people are responding to the way people respond to their story. I think that's what kind of feeds the desire to continue to, you know what I'm saying? 
So you get that kind of personal information because you're getting right. You're getting some kind of engagement from and and helping you deal with what you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? So you know, but it's not for everybody. You know, I'm a very private person. I'm not gonna go. I'll be going through stuff and you won't even know. You'll find out what I went through two years after it happened. Like, so you're divorced? (laughs) (laughs) Like when? You know what I mean? But there, folks, you know, they have an argument and they on. Social media, putting it, you know, putting all the information out there. So, you know, to each his own. But I don't want to, I can't say more women than men. I think generational, it'll probably be the younger generation more than Mm -hmm. the older generation. I I, I still maintain that it's something that, and and I'm not saying it, I'm not saying the more women than men thing in necessarily a derogatory way. I think that you've talked about the fact that in a lot of ways, sort of women are socialized where it, that, that space is actually okay for them. Right. Like, it's actually okay for... Absolutely. And it, whether it's expected, whether it's... Galvanize your tribe. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, oh, you know, that community, to, to engage it in that way, right. there's less issues around it as opposed to, like, a man. You're like, yo, bro, like, take that off social media. Right. Like, real quick. So, I, I do think that the socialization piece is real, but I just feel like it's too much. The other side to it is... Once you let somebody in your business like that, number one, they become vested. Number two, right. you got a hard time setting a boundary around where and how this can like turn off. Right. Because I don't think that you get to then say later on, like, so girl, you you know, what happened? And the worst part is when you get back together with old boy. Right. Then and everybody mad, like, bro. I, I'm like, I don't was... even fuck with him no more now. Right. Now I, I gotta figure out how to bring him back in. Yeah, I done deleted him off. Right, 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 right. Now, now y'all holding hands in botanical gardens, and I'm looking like, oh, I was just talking shit about right, him. Right, right. Mad crazy. crazy. Yeah, that that is that is the word. You got to be careful about that. Um, want to switch gears, keep moving on. What's going to transition to our main topic? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And super excited to continue with our Black Brilliance Conversation Series, where we interview movers and shakers all over the map in different industries. Super excited about today's conversation. Um, we haven't really had a conversation about blacks in tech. We've talked about entrepreneurs. We've talked about the importance of supporting community. We've talked about a number of different things, but today we get to have a really, really special conversation. And I'm privileged because I feel like I'm talking to the, I, I don't want to use this term. Like I was going to say the black Mark Zuckerberg, but, but that I'm talking to somebody who's just, Really, really, the new wave in so many of the different ways. And you're gonna learn why. Isaac Hayes III is in the building, y'all. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Appreciate you, man. How you doing? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate the the intro and the applause. Appreciate. Absolutely, it. absolutely, bro. So it's funny. I got it. I got. I got to tell you a story that you don't know yet. At least you okay. might not know it. Funny story. Um, we're connected in a way that I had to learn about that you wouldn't know. Okay. Your father mm-hmm. and my mother, uh-huh. not Catholic. For anybody who's, who's listening, chill out, chill uh-huh. out, bro. For anybody who's watching, listen, chill out. Your father and my uh-huh. mother played in a band together at Manassas High School in Memphis, Tennessee, under wow. Mr. Yeah, under Mr. Oh, Abel. That's and, crazy. Yeah, and so your mom, my mom doesn't even know I'm doing this interview. I'm going to let her know later on. Uh-huh. But my mom would tell me stories because when your pops was in high school, he was playing in nightclubs in Memphis and would then come to school 
in yeah. high school, like playing a band, like after having been out all night at nightclubs. And so my mom would tell me these stories that, and you know, I had no idea we would be having this conversation years later, but it was like, like this larger than life figure. She was like, yeah, that was, that was Isaac. And I was like, really? I think that's, I think that's dope. I, I love, I love hearing stories like that. Cause it, it, it reinforces my father's work ethic. Like, let me tell you something like, like talking about a person. I get that from him. Word. So like, at, at my mom too, though, too, like very hard worker. So like, I understand like, my energy to to continue to work on the things that I work on. I get that from from him for sure. So let's talk about the area that you're in. Yeah. Fan base, brother, you are really on the precipice of something huge. Uh, I, I I am now a member of fan base. I need to highlight. I need to. Is there somebody who I could talk to about getting verified? Like I'm already an MSNBC contributor. Like I'm outside, like a little bit. Yeah, I'm verified on Twitter and Facebook. I just need—is there somebody I could talk to? I know a couple of people that work at Fanbase. I think. Oh, I all right. I, 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 we'll talk offline and figure that out. Would love to hear your formal description of it uh, yeah. as its creator and somebody who, you know, really had a vision. I, I, I want to hear like, how do you explain Fanbase? Well, yeah, Fanbase is all of that, but specifically, it is a social media platform that allows any user to monetize their content via subscription and virtual currency that we call love. There's two ways you make money on fan base. You make money from subscriptions and you make money from people loving your content as well. You can like it for free and you can love it. You can also post anything for free. So it's a free platform, free to post, free to download, free to use. But if you want to take content and make it exclusive to some people that can see, and you can do that on fan base and they have to subscribe to you to see that. That may sound familiar because Instagram has started doing subscriptions and Twitter Blue is a subscription platform. It's Snapchat Plus and TikTok. And OnlyFans. And OnlyFans. That's where I right. started thinking. I started thinking about OnlyFans, honestly. Well, there's a big difference between like two platforms. Like Patreon and OnlyFans are entirely different than fan base for one reason. Neither one of those are social networks. They're not, they're not social networks where people go and they actually build community. Once you go to OnlyFans, you're there to see the specific person you're there to see, and then you pay for that content, and there's nothing left to do the same with Patreon. Um, another distinction that I think we should make, we have to change the glossary, the definition of what a user or a content creator is in the realm of social media. Every single person on social media is a content creator. They're... They're to varying degrees, but we are all contributing to this mass volume of content that gets churned through an advertising machine and monetized to the benefit of the platform. So whether you post a photo once a year or you post a hundred times a day, you are a content creator, right? It just, if you put no thought, if you just take a picture of yourself outside, it's a selfie, or you spend 30 minutes making this really crazy skit, they're going to run ads in between all of it regardless. So we are all contributing to content. So I look at I look at the content creators as all users. So I just say users, fan bases for any single user on social media. I like that. Um, this is very fascinating to me because it's not my space at all. I use social media, but one mind, <laughs> right, right. And and I want to talk to you about that a little bit. But I do have a question. Um, yeah. Different social media algorithms are 
you know that when when you talk about social media, people like to talk about the algorithm a lot. They totally like to talk yeah. about how the how the sites run. Um, and in today's space, because of the balance of ad revenue and people who buy ads and things of that nature, algorithms are designed to, you know, get your your content out, but not necessarily in a way that decentralizes people who would buy ads uh-huh. uh, and spend that type of money. How does fan base draw the balance in terms of like, I got to have paid advertisers, which I understand, but I also, you know, want people to be able to see the content that they put out. Well, the the, the biggest difference is we don't run ads. We're not ad-based. Okay. And so that's more poorly. You you don't see ads on fan base. Um, and to, to be a little more technical, like, Every piece of content that is on social media is run through some sort of moderation AI. It can detect words, shapes, sounds. So the things you say in the video, it can it can read text. Uh, it can it can look at objects to say this is something that might be pornographic. Right. So all of that stuff is is run through this this engine for the purposes of advertising. One, anything with text on social media is going to usually get suppressed. It's going to get squished down because people are going to treat it like an ad. And so everybody on social media has their content suppressed. You, me, doesn't matter. The Rock, Beyonce, the, you know, content creators that are doing amazing dances on these platforms. And the reason is because once advertising became (laughs) part of social media, the companies had to find a way to make money and not allow you to make money. So the simple question I ask you is, Charles, like why would they why would they let you reach a million people if they're about to charge Walmart and Target to reach a million people? Doesn't make sense. If you could reach a million people, Walmart would just come to you and hand you the check and use your page as the outlet to run ads on and not pay Instagram to run ads. So therefore, they have to suppress your content so you get some visibility by people that engage your content or tell follow you the most or like your content the most, but no one ever sees all of your content. If that's the case, someone like Kim Kardashian with over 300 million followers could charge probably $21 million every time she posted anything on her page because a 30 second Super Bowl ad is $7 million and a hundred people watch the Super Bowl one day a year for four hours a day. But imagine having access to 300 million people, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The ad value of that is astronomical. So um, I wanted to eliminate that. I want people because when you look at when you look at monetization, I look at it as everybody that follows you is not a fan of yours. So Facts. people follow you um, passively, right? And it's like ninety five percent of people. Ninety five percent of people that follow you follow you like a magazine at the checkout aisle. Like, oh, what's going on today? What's Charles got going on? Cool. All right, he's doing this. He's doing that. Boom. Are they nosy or they're haters? Right. What? The other 5% is your fan base. If you monetize that through subscription, there is millions, thousands, millions, billions of dollars to be made, depending on the varying level of, of engagement that you get on your content. And so we don't run ads. We are a rev share model that allows people to subscribe to you for $4.99 and you wind up taking on half of that revenue. So $2.50 a subscriber, which is pretty much on par with what Twitch does with their subscription model and YouTube. So imagine if you have 5,000 people 
that pay you $2.50 a month. That's $12,500 a month. That's $150,000 a year. And that's more than 96% of Americans make. So the future is definitely subscriber-based. Fanbase was just the first platform. We are the absolute first platform that allowed a user to subscribe to another user via in-app purchase. So anytime you can just pick up a phone, click a couple of buttons and subscribe to somebody, Fanbase did that first. So what you see uh, 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 Twitter doing and Instagram doing, they got that directly from us. You know, I, there's so much that you just said that's really fascinating. I have conversations with people all the time and I'm glad that I'm a part of this discussion because it's going to allow me to inform other folks that much sooner. The Kardashian example that you gave is great. Like whether it's her, Beyonce, Ellen, if you have 300 million subscribers on, let's say IG, you almost control or have access to a third of all of their users. That's a lot of people. So the, the numbers that you just broke down are crazy to me in terms of understanding what that is and how it works. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about a couple of things. One of the things that makes you unique is that you own the whole infrastructure, like all of it, uh -huh. in terms of around fan base. Can you talk a little bit about how significant that is in terms of other sites, other platforms, how it's structured and what that allows you to do as a black man in this space, mm -hmm. like how unique it is that you own the entire infrastructure. Like, can you explain to our audience how significant that is and what a difference it is between other platforms? Well, well most importantly, there's really nobody in the space that's black, that's created um, a social media platform like this. And I think the, the initial challenge is coming over the bias of being black. And it just, uh, unfortunately for black people, things built by black people are perceived to be only for black people. Whereas things built by white people are perceived to be built for all people. And so we have to reinforce that fan base is a platform that is in 180 countries. It's on iOS and Android. It's a global app for people to use. Um, and so infrastructure wise, um, the fact that there's someone at the helm of a company that can dictate um, culture and monetization in a way that benefits the community that contributes to the monetization of these platforms, which is the black community, which is black Twitter and all the kids on TikTok and everybody doing all the skits on Instagram. They are the economic engine of these platforms because they bring the eyeballs, which right. bring the views which bring the ads, which bring the revenue. So typically what happens is on platforms like TikTok, TikTok's overall goal and Instagram's overall goal is to serve a wide audience of ads. So yeah. it would behoove them to have famous white people rather than famous black people. Because a famous white person, you can run an ad and it's perceived for everybody, right? As opposed to someone black, it might not get the same engagement. So what happens is black creators create a trend, a dance like the Cuffit Challenge or something like that, and then it gets duplicated by other, other people, white people that matter, which is fine. That is fine because that is kind of the, the air and the energy of a TikTok, right? It's like you do the dance, I do the dance. You do the challenge, I do the challenge. The, the problem is that the platform boosts the visibility of the, not the original creator, but the duplicator 
so yeah. that they get more views, which they make more ads. And so you've got some young kid that created a challenge that might get 3 million views on their original challenge. And then someone that duplicates it like Charlie D'Amelio or Addison Rae that gets 300 million views. And then now brands come and give her tons and tons of money for her reach because the algorithm is giving her the reach because they're able to make more money off of her. And then she's able to capitalize on that reach to actually go ahead and make money from other companies. Obviously, a huge amount of conversation exists in the space around free speech. Yeah. Or I don't even say free speech because I'm a lawyer. I know better. It's not a conversation about free speech. It's more about a conversation about accepted speech. Yeah. Um, in addition to a larger conversation, as somebody who used social media uh, and is in the space of civil rights, I know that the way in which social media filters out certain things that are germane to our community, particularly as it relates to speaking out on police violence, speaking out on issues affecting our culture, speaking out on a number of different things and topics related to race, be they political community based or otherwise mm -hmm. there's a lot of like conflict about where we feel social media should be and what its responsibility should be you are yeah. in the space of owning your own infrastructure and being privately owned how do you navigate that being that you are a black man mm -hmm. this is not a platform exclusively for black people yeah do you feel any additional pressure around that like where do you Draw Absolutely. the line there in that space and how do you navigate it? I mean, listen, I feel the pressure from both sides. And what I mean is I feel the pressure from some people in the black community that want that look at fan business and say, oh, I can go on here and say anti-Semitic stuff. I can go on here and really talk no, crazy about the white community, right? And I'm like, fam, that's not, that's not what it's about over here, right? It's just, I, I'm black and I want you to have the ability to say what you want to say. I have no problem with anybody ever disagreeing with what someone has to say. It's the way in which you use your responses. It's the way in which you do it. You don't have to call people names. You don't have to use racial slurs or homophobic language. If you disagree with a certain person's lifestyle or existence or whatever, that is your right to do so. I think it may affect you more than it'll affect me because you got to go to work tomorrow. Like you got to work at the company that you work at. And that's where free speech becomes the issue for people is like, Free speech is free outside on the street, but free speech is not free if you work at Coca-Cola or Apple because you can't you can't work for those companies when you do that. So um, it's a it's a tough space to navigate. But we, we haven't faced as many challenges. But as we continue to grow, because the more the community grows, you know, because white people come on fan base. Right. And then some people try to make white people feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, we can't have that. Like, how does the platform grow? If you're trying to alienate everybody when like, why would I put, why would I have fan base in the UK and Ireland and Scotland if I didn't want those people to be on the platform and utilize fan base for the way it's intended for all users. So those challenges um, will continue to be there and we'll deal with them as they, as they, as they come along. And I think a lot of people feel like as additional efforts have been made to quell our voices in places, we want somewhere we can go that we can trust that isn't going to do that. Right. I think that, and I think with you being a brother, people are like, oh, this is it. This is our place. I think that it's okay to have a space that allows us to do that, but you don't necessarily, and we don't necessarily need a space 
where you got like having our space does not mean or shouldn't mean or doesn't have to mean that it's a space to shit on other people. The proverbial cookout, like when I go to an actual cookout, we spend time hanging out and talking to each other and enjoying each other. Like we don't spend time talking about like, oh, white people did blah, 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 blah. We don't right. like actually cookout, right? So online doesn't have to be anything different in that respect. We could just have our space, you know, proverbially speaking. Yeah. And it be that. I think one thing that social media has taught me is that it's deeper than that. We're binary people. Like human beings are binary. Yeah. In the sense of saying there is no, there has to be someone that disagrees with you. There has yeah. to be something that pulls, a forces that pull in the opposite direction 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I think there's a large, large group of people that want to share a thought or an idea and want the entire mass of people to agree with them. And that, will never happen because that's not how human beings human beings work. Choice is the thing. We are so different, unique. It it doesn't matter about race. It doesn't matter about religion. It doesn't matter about sexual orientation. Like even in our own community, we are divided amongst our own community. There's some people that are mad at Deion Sanders and other people that are cool with Deion Sanders right. and what he did. So it's just social media is calling <laughs> the psychology of human beings are everybody has to have a choice to decide how they feel. And, and a rule for anybody that's listening, I, I say this all the time. I never, and I didn't used to do this, but it's probably been over a decade. I never post anything on social media that I would not say out loud. I don't post my thoughts. I would only post words that I would say to somebody if I saw them. So if someone's in their head like, man, I wish I could throw my boss off a bridge. Like, I'm not. People say that kind of stuff. Or they'll just, they'll post That's their thoughts. Bro, bro, I'm a lawyer. I, you know how many times I've used somebody's social media posts against them, either at trial or as part of a case because they said some wild shit on social media and I was like, a oh, word? Right. And you just get it and it's, it's there. Like, it happens yeah. all the time. For us, uh -huh. how do you normalize it so that people understand, like, yo, I'm Charles Coleman. I talk civil rights shit. I'm in, I'm in my civil rights bag. I'm talking civil rights and I give a certain number of lectures or conversations or what have you yeah. on this app, but you gotta pay for it. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not a Facebook live. It's not an IG live. It's yeah. something that you only have access to if you pay for it. How do you make that just a normal part of our psyche or our ins and outs? Or is so, it, is it just like either you won't get on the way for the future or you're not? So two things. One, it already exists now and people do it. It's just younger people and predominantly right. white people. Uh -huh. And so I know I know creators on Patreon that are making $230,000 a month, right? Think about that, right? 230 grand a month. I'm clear, I'm you clear. Know, but they're white, right? The difference is two things, quick story, the reason that I built Fanbase was when I first started the idea, I asked a friend of mine who was in her 30s, hey, like, I'm about to make this app where you can subscribe, people subscribe to other people. And she's like, I'm not subscribing to no person. Right. Like, that was right. her initial thought. So I'm thinking about it. I went to the app, Apple Store here in Atlanta, and I saw one of the employees, young girl. I think she was like 21. I said, hey, let me ask you a question. What's your favorite band? What's your favorite artist? And I thought she was going to say somebody like Ariana Grande or somebody really popular. And she said, some Latino band. I never heard a name before. 
Sports. Any man, I said, let me ask you a question. If you could subscribe to them for four ninety nine a month, and they would post like small clips of them working on their album, you know, behind the scenes stuff, stuff that everybody can get, and then maybe every now and then they might shoot you an opportunity to buy tickets or merch that no one else can buy. Would you do that? And her little answer was, fuck yeah, it's only four ninety nine, and walked off. Like, I was like, I got to build this. And so fan base is not a platform that is built for me or you. It is really a platform that's built for everybody. But the in, the inheritors, the the people that will assume control and, and, and influence on that platform are the centennial generation alpha um, generation because they understand that in-app purchase technology. We they understand, it. like, I play Call of Duty. They, they don't think everything is virtual. Then my brother's 17, 16 years old. He doesn't really understand paper money. He understands the ones and zeros that are on the app on his phone that allow it's him that, that are connected to a debit card that allow him to go swipe. And that's what he knows. The convenience of point. that. My thing is it's, it's, it's about every social media platform, in my opinion, has a lifespan. It will live and it will die. That means MySpace is dead. Facebook is a senior citizen. Instagram is a middle-aged adult. Snapchat is a millennial. TikTok is a centennial and fan base is going to be for generation alpha and every social media platform is made relevant by the generation that use them. And then they become less relevant because like happened on Facebook, my mama yeah. got on Facebook and I left Facebook. I'm like, I'm out of here. My mama's here. So, you know, kids want to be on apps that their parents are not on. And so as long as that exists, kids will flock to spaces where they can get away from their parents, talk about movies and music and sex and life and things that they wouldn't say around anybody else and feel comfortable doing so without their aunt or their grandmother saying, what are you doing? When it comes to, to the black community, we are taught to give away our content before we ask to be paid for it. The white community puts a value on content the moment that they create their content. That's even it, like- There's no there's no mixtape version of social media for white people. There, there were no pop, there were no pop mix CDs. There were no country mixtapes. It was like, right. here's the product, Buy it or don't buy it. Fan base, I love it. That's using yeah. your fan base. It's, you know, that is black brilliance. That's what we're talking about. This is a black brilliance conversation. Talk to me about where you guys are because a lot of people may not realize this. I'm very, you know, we're very fortunate to have you about as a part of this conversation, given the timing, because you're really making it work and your fundraising cycle in terms of the round where you are. Yeah. You're busy. Right. You're busy and you're in demand and you're making it around. So I, I really want to tell you, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, but can you just explain what that means? Because a lot of people don't know. We've heard about, you know, your, I think, round A, your angel fund, your, you know, all of this. Yeah. So talk about where you are and what your yeah. goals are and how that works. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Because I've had a very successful career licensing my music, I was able to fund fan base with my own money, spend $200,000 of my own money building it. So then when it came time to raise money, uh, COVID hit. And I'd had one conversation with a VC and the conversation made me feel like I was back in the music business. It was, the VC was very cocky. We don't really need you. And, uh, you know, if you get something going, you know, what are your numbers like? Blase, blah, 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 right? And I said, oh, this reminds me of an artist that has no buzz. And you just walk to the record company and they give you that standard record deal that you wind up saying you got screwed over like 10 years later when you got, I signed for five albums and for $50,000 and they own my masters and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, wait a minute. 
So a friend of mine suggested equity crowdfunding and equity crowdfunding is an, an entirely different avenue where people can fund their businesses through the general public investing in their startups, thanks to Barack Obama and Joe Biden with the Jobs Act. And so people don't understand accredited investors. It's really a scammy like kind of way of saying um, we want rich people to have access to invest in early stage companies before anybody else. And that rule has been in effect since 1933. So it doesn't matter if you were white or black. It was right out of the depression. It's just wealthy individuals said that if you don't make $200,000 a year for two consecutive years or have a net worth of a million dollars minus your house, you can't invest in Microsoft or Apple or Google. You're locked out. It's illegal for you to do so. I read, a, I read about a guy named Oren Michaels. He put $5,000 into Uber in 2010. When the company went public in 2019, his $5,000 was made, turned into $24 million. Wait, are you, are you, so you're telling me in nine years, he took five Gs and it turned into $24 million. And the only reason he got that shot and I didn't is because he was already really rich. I said, that's some bullshit. So you don't have to be accredited to go to Vegas and gamble $5,000 away. You don't have to be accredited to go buy $5,000 worth of lottery tickets. So why can't I bet on Apple? Why can't I bet on Uber? Why can't I bet on these companies? So the Jobs Act allows you to do that. So fan base, we have raised over $7 million in equity crowdfunding where the general public, anybody, can invest and actually sit on the cap table and own shares in fan base for the minimum of $245 up to the maximum of $100,000. So I've done three raises. The first raise I did, I raised $3.4 million. The second raise, I raised $2.6 million. And I'm in a final raise right now. This is the last time I'm doing this. I'm raising $2.5 million one more time on Start Engine um, as, a, as, a, as a Rec CF campaign to allow anybody to invest. And we've already raised $1.7 million. So I'm about, to, I'm about to reach the end of this. So... Um, I tell anybody that wants to invest. You Y'all can... know what he's saying. What he's saying is, <laughs> yo, this train is out the gate. Right. And it's pulling into the next station. And after that, all tickets is off. So uh, you really just... got a little, little bread you want to throw it around. Yeah. I tell people, I tell if you want to invest in fan base, go to startengine.com slash fan base. And that is exactly where you can invest. The process is pretty simple. Um, it's very straightforward. And, you know, like I said, the minimum is 245 bucks at the price of a pair of J's or steak dinner or, you know, some really nice, you know, clothes or whatever it is. You might go spend that at alcohol and drinks at, at, at we'll night. We'll blow that in the night. Yeah. So let me, let I'm me go put. You live in Atlanta. We'll blow that in the night. Please. Right. Let me, let me go put $245 on some stock on this startup. And if this thing becomes a super unicorn and when it becomes the next Facebook, you know, that, that Facebook that at one point had a market cap of $900 billion. That is ridiculous, but think about that. Um, or even a $100 billion company, that's still, you know, a uh, 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 $2,500 X return on an investment, right? Which is crazy because most investors look for three, four times X. But I right. know the value of what fan base can be. So I encourage everybody to invest because here's the thing. It's, it's literally the biggest legal flip of all time. And what I mean by that is, I tell people, what directly affects the value of a social media startup? The users. If everybody left Instagram, it'd be worth $0.00. Clubhouse, $0.00, right? So what if we all bought shares in a startup and then we all went there and used it? Then the value of the startup goes up 
And now we're legally inflating the value of our own stock by simply moving over to the platform. Listen, brother, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, we could probably talk for a whole, whole lot longer. Yeah. Because there's just so much to get into. I mean, I didn't even get into the fun stuff. There's, I mean, this was the fun stuff. I didn't even get into, like, you know, the transition that you made from music to Ted. Yeah. I'm a... um. You know, I'm I'm a geek at heart, so Aqua Teen Hunger Aqua Teen Hunger Force is my shit. Like like it's it's a lot it's a lot of layers to yeah, stuff yeah, that yeah. we talk about. And I'm 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 hoping that this is gonna be the first time we talk. Um I would love to have you on my talk back Tuesdays. I've seen you check in once or twice. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate you for that. But this has been an amazing discussion. And I encourage people to follow you. I encourage people to fuck with fan base to get on to really like make the make the shift. And here's the here's another thing that I'm gonna say really quickly before I wrap up. One of the things that drives me crazy is that we wait for somebody else to tell us our shit is hot before we get on it. Yep. Go fuck with fan base now because it's hot. As opposed to waiting for someone Who's looking from looking at our culture from the outside to tell us what we should already know, yeah. being on the inside, and then we say, "Oh, okay, now I'm gonna go over here because they said it was hot. It's hot now. Get on it now. Mess with it now." Yeah, I really want to say that. I really want to thank you again for joining us. This has been an amazing conversation. Our Black Brilliance series, as part of the Charles Coleman podcast, we've had Isaac Nettie's the third, ladies and gentlemen. AKA Ike Dirty, my man has been on with us. Appreciate you. Look forward to talking in the soul. Congratulations with everything you're doing. Thank you for everything you're doing. And we'll check you out soon. Yeah. Um, startengine.com slash fan base. You want to invest? That's where you go. Uh, and I encourage everybody to invest. We're about to close this round. And once it's over, it's over. So like 10 years from now, you'd be like, I could have invested in family. I could have got on, man. Everybody, now everybody's got phantoms. But me, that's <laughs> these. People are rich. They were around here with, you know, Sharpays and like living in these amazing mansions because they're fan base investors and their stock matured. And they, you know, they got $24 million and $35 million and 150. I'm like, yeah, that was the goal. That was what it was, Look bro. We are on everybody's favorite part of the show. This is Rules of Engagement, our conversation about adult relationships, love, and sex. Still back here with my man, Cashmere Kurt, in the building, having this conversation with us. We So this is like man talk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always interesting to have different members of the Dream Team. And when I get a chance to talk to you as the guy on the Dream Team, the conversations are always different. I have a question. It is something that I have debated a lot. I know what I think the answer is for me, mm-hmm. but I think it warrants exploration. Like it's gonna hit the ear. It might sound a little funny, but ask you: Do men actually like women? That's something I've been debating for a while now. I would say no, naturally, no. Um, naturally naturally god damn yeah just just... because think about it right um for those of us who had the privilege of being around the the older gentlemen of our of of our existence right the more ogs the ogs but but the eight the 
archaic OG, right? That guy. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Okay, that you know, guy. They didn't celebrate the the moves of women, right? The the things that that they're interested in, the way that they carry out their their communications and things like that. It was it was always seemed as that's what they do. So now naturally, you know, we do different shit. We do different shit. So now when you're forced to be around their shit, you don't you don't know how to deal with it. So and it doesn't it doesn't it feels like almost like unnatural. Yeah. That's why I say naturally, I don't think we like women. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause from my standpoint, the reason I asked the question, because because a lot of people would initially be like, why would you even ask that? Like, right. why, that sounds crazy. It actually isn't that crazy. If you think about how men and women tend to relate to one another when you sort of watch. Mm-hmm. There are stereotypical images of men like doing shit just because I don't know. I don't want to hear her mouth, right. or I gotta go do this because. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, my dude, like at some point, do you even like her or like hanging out with her? <laughs> and if you re- no, real we'll talk, because it's like the stuff that you really be wanting to do, mm-hmm. you don't always look to her. As somebody you want to do it with, you'll actually look to your boys. Like, there's, there's like this real, almost like homoerotic zone that a lot of men exist in but don't want to acknowledge because you want to do everything with your mans but have sex. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. God, I'm talking damn. about. <laughs> I'm, <just saying. laughs> I'm talking about completely. Heterosexual man. I'm not talking about men who sleep with men. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about uh, men who identify as gay. Uh-huh. I'm saying that a lot of a lot of very just completely straight men. Okay. If you ask them, like, what do you want to do today? <laughs> uh-huh. I want to go hang with my boys. Right. I want to go to hang with my men. And it, it, you don't really enter into the conversation about like I want to be with my woman unless sex is like paramount or involved. Well, I would. I wouldn't. And it's like, yo, well, then how much do you really like her? Do you like her or do you like having sex with her? That, yeah, I get your point. You see what I'm saying? I like, you don't really like her. You just like having sex with her and you see there's other shit you got to do. Mm-hmm. Damn, I got to go to Target. I got to go to Home Depot on the day. I got to go to the Broadway play mm-hmm. shit. Uh, I got to go to this dinner because her brother-in-law just closed on a house and they want to show us the. Mm-hmm. I got to do all of that. As a condition of, I just want to keep having access to that box. Right, right. I don't really like doing, I don't like doing none of that shit. I don't want to do any of it. I don't mm-hmm. want to go to the Met to see nothing. This, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do it. Right. I don't want to do it. I want to hang with my boys. I want to go have mm-hmm. cigars. I want to go to the gym and play basketball and do that shit. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily involve her, mm-hmm. right? Not saying that there are are not activities that I wouldn't mind doing with her, mm-hmm. right? But a lot of the shit that she wants to do, I don't want to do. Well, you like as a man, like that's I, I feel like that's how a lot of men are wired. I think I agree first, but also you know you're familiar with contracts and things like that, right? So it's almost like the same way you feel like you have to compromise and make these sacrifices to gain access to the box. I think it's reversing their mindset of saying, well, because I'm giving him the box, this is the things he has to do. To please me, which both angles are born out of compromise. Yeah, but if that's the case, right? Aren't we just negotiating this whole shit the wrong way? Like that's my thing about like you don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just change what the expectations are? I think a large part of it is just 
maybe we're expecting the wrong things out of our partners and relationships. Maybe, like, no bullshit. Like, maybe you shouldn't expect me to go to the Met with you. Maybe you should do that with your girls. Like, the only reason, like, really? Like, why do you want me around? You want me around? Why? Because you want your, your peoples to know that you have a man? Yes. So, like, they know you got a man. And you dress nice. All right, cool. I mean, I can dress... You're an accessory. Yeah, like, but that's my point. Like, mm-hmm. why are we doing this? Why not? Because it, it's... the same it, thing on their end, too. That's my point. The whole thing is a sham. Like, the whole... It's a sham. Because at the end of the day, I'm looking to engage this space for a very particular reason. Like, you know, and I'm not... I, I'm speaking as me, but I'm mm-hmm. also speaking more so from the standpoint of a lot of men mm-hmm. who don't have the courage to say, like... Yo, 90% of that shit, I don't really want to do. Right. I, I just do it because... I want this. Right. I got right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though there are things that I might be like, all right, movies is not so bad. Eat. I got to eat. Why not? I can do that. But I think in large part, maybe we're just going about this the wrong way because we're not thinking about what are the appropriate or not even pro- appropriate, but that's not the right word. What are the practical sort of like expectations from a relationship that actually work and make people happy as opposed to like contractual exchange compromise. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always going to be some compromise. I get that, right? Mm-hmm. Like I understand, I'm not messed up about the fact mm-hmm. that compromise is a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. It's just more so like, yo, I don't want to sign up for some shit that I don't want to do. Well, I, I mean, the first thing that pops into my mind is you got to pick better, right? <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that chick just ain't worth that type of effort and you, for what the exchange rate is, you know? Some some currencies, just the exchange rate is just what? At the end of the day. You know what? You know what? It's funny that you say that because, like, you know, the thing that throws everything off is, like, box. Box value. Like, when mm-hmm. the box value is high, you do all kinds of shit. You do whatever. Oh, you want to go to Disney? Mm-hmm. Tonight. <laughs> Tonight? Let's do it. Uh, we can catch the 453 out to Orlando. <laughs> you know? Get out there and, you know, us and Donald Duck. You just have a good time. <laughs> I, I, I get that. But that's the thing is that, like, the box can throw the equation off. But mm-hmm. I still think, you know, we have all these conversations about dating intentionally and being intentional in dating. I think, yo, I don't really want to do the shit that I don't like doing and just being really fucking clear about that, mm-hmm. where it's just not ambiguous, as opposed to like, because here's the other thing that happens is you convince people that they're, you're actually okay doing certain stuff when you're really not. Correct. Creating a false standard. Got yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then like, then there's this whole thing, and not just that, not only did you mess it up for yourself, you messed it up for the next dude too, because mm. now you've created this expectation where she's like, oh, this is normal. He wants to, why you ain't want to do it? My last two dudes wanted to do it. Mm. And so now she goes to her girls and she says, "What y'all man don't want to do the da 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 da? He ain't in this field like Jethro on that ass because oh. I asked him to do my. So it changes the expectations when you just don't keep it a buck. So they have a community box meetings. Well, <laughs> that's what we doing. It's called the group chat. Group chat. It's called the group chat. Damn. Well, listen. Um, thank you for joining us for another edition of the Rules of Engagement." On the Charles Coleman podcast. I'm Charles Coleman. This is one of my favorite dream team members, Kashmir Kurt. Please like, subscribe, follow, and share. We'll catch you soon. Leave us your thoughts in the comments. Let us know what you think. All right.